quiz, Bible quiz. What was the first command that God gave verbally upon creation? Let there be light. Of course, you had a hint from every hymn we saw, <laughs> scripture, prayer, everything. So we're glad you got it. Because that is indeed what we're about today. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. Then in the 14th verse, we get to other lights. Let there be lights, plural. Two great lights, the sun and the moon, then the stars. The scriptures use this concept of darkness and light to describe unbelievers and believers. And so we're about that this morning. In the fourth chapter of Ephesians, the one just prior to the one from which Carolyn read a moment ago, it says, No longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. We have in Ephesians, as if you've been here all of this month and heard Tim's sermons, you know there are several contrasts that he drew. Two weeks ago he talked about being dead in our trespasses and sin, but being now brought to life, life in Jesus Christ. So we're looking at another contrast, that of darkness and light that contrast against each other. In today's text it said you were once in darkness, now you're in the light. Live as children of the light. Then it encourages us to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. Uh, there are a lot of them we could think of, make a list, all you've got to do is listen to the radio, watch TV, read the newspaper. Uh, we have self, uh, sex trafficking, prostitution, pornography, murder, rape, abortion, gangland-style drive-by shootings, racism, persecution of Christians, and burning of churches, nations, will kill their own citizens with chemical weapons and gases, men and women and children. This is the activity of the darkness that exists in our world. In the first chapter of Romans, Paul talks to the Romans about this, this situation in which they lived if they were not believers and that they were living under darkness. And I have several passages that I want to share with you because I want you to see how, how deeply rooted in the scripture this concept is and how we need to deal with it in our lives without uh, forgetting the battle we're in. In that first chapter he says, for although they, the, those who did not believe, although they knew God, they saw plenty of evidence of God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Then in verse 28, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over, and, and that term Paul uses several times, He gave them over to a 
depraved or darkened mind. Verse 29. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossipers, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, ruthless, and heartless. And in Galatians, kind of as a contrast to the fruit of the Spirit, he says the acts of the sinful nature, which is the darkness, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you that those who live like this will not enter the kingdom of God. And in 2 Corinthians, all again, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, which is Satan, of course, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In verse 6, for God, who said, let that light shine out of darkness, may his light shine in our hearts and to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Well, let's move from Paul to John in his first epistle, first chapter. This is the message we've heard from him, that is Jesus, and declaring you, God is light in him and there is no darkness at all. If we claim to be in fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, walking in sin, we lie do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies from all sin. I'm writing to you a new commandment. It's the, it's the true light that is already shining. One of the concepts in my mind, I think about the, this competition between darkness and light that the scripture described so thoroughly, of, of two rooms. Think of a house or building of some kind where there are two rooms side by side. There's a door between the two rooms. In one room, there's plenty of light. The light's all over the place. It's bright, almost hurts your eyes to be in there. In the other room, there's no light at all. There, there is darkness. Now, what happens if you open the door, there's a single door between these two rooms, what happens when you open that door? The light comes flooding into the dark room, and it is no longer dark. The darkness doesn't flood into the lighted room, does it? Is the lighted room light diminished at all because of the exposure to the darkness? No, it is not. It is victorious. And this is why the scripture says, <coughs> What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not, could not overcome. The light is always victorious. Now, Jesus uses this metaphor to try to help the disciples to understand something about himself. And he said, I am the light of the world. 
But he also says, you are the light of the world. Another metaphor comes to mind. Have you noticed the moon the last few nights? Maybe not last night, cloudy, rainy. But before that, two, two nights, Thursday, Friday night, beautiful moonlight. Beautiful, uh, uh, a full moon shining forth. And every time I saw it, I loved carrying the grandchildren back and forth. We like to watch the, the light move around as we zigzag out of uh, River North on the boulevard there. And as we come to ponds and lakes, we see the reflection of that moon on that and, and uh, just bask, bask in it. But it kept reminding me that when Jesus says, I am the light, it's like he is the sun. That's the S-U-N sun. And we are the what? Moon. We're the moon. Does the moon have any light of its own? No. It's not a big fireball like the sun is. But it reflects it so that it is bright. And even at, uh, at night on a cloudless night, it's amazing how well you can see by the moonlight. Jesus is the light. He says, you are the light. You reflect my ministry. You reflect my light that comes into the world. Now, in that reflection, we are reminded that Christ's light comes on us not for us to enjoy so much as it is to employ, to use it, to put it good use, to let your light shine. And remember Jesus said, so that your good deeds will glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's what a great contrast is the darkness and the light. And we live in a dark world. I mentioned just a, a few things in that catalog of evil that's in the world. But let's look at a more comprehensive uh, manner between the darkness and the light. Just a few things that would describe the darkness of this world and of life. Evil, sinfulness, disobedience, breaking God's commandments, following Satan, confusion, stupidity, and foolishness, wrong thinking, changing truth for a lie, lack of understanding, depraved, rejecting the truth, being beguiled by Satan, and the list would go on and on. The light, on the other hand, is truth over, winning out over the darkness of falsehood. It is wise in understanding, there's sound understanding and wisdom, there's obedience, there's righteousness that comes from Christ, following Jesus and not Satan, wisdom and not foolishness. Yes, the light has come into the world, and the darkness has not overcome it. We're all familiar with three, John 3.16. We could recite it as a congregation very easily. But if you move down to verse 19, just three verses later, listen to these words that Jesus is speaking. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear his deeds will be exposed. <coughs> how we imagine crime, for example. I wouldn't know how to begin to guess what percentage of crime is committed after dark. 
Warren, do, would you have any figures on that through uh, Crime Stoppers? But it'd be vast majority would I be safe in, in saying saying that that under the cover of darkness they want to hide their evil. They want to be unobserved in committing their evil. And so sad it is. If we think about sometimes you get a, a report of a crime that's been committed uh, at, on a, a victim at 1 o'clock or 1.30 in the morning when they're walking in darkness. You know, maybe they got no other way to get somewhere. Maybe there's a reason they are out at time of night. But how, how they expose themselves to the darkness and the evil of darkness that is taking place there for carjacking, drive-by shootings, rape, murder, and, and robbery, all, all that bad stuff that goes on under the cover of darkness. They hide under that darkness. Make no mistake about it. <clears throat> There's a cosmic war going on between good and evil, between the forces of darkness and the forces of light. If we think that is not the case, we're living in denial and we're living in danger. In the message notes for today, I mentioned four key words that are, that are important, that are valuable for us to embrace, to understand how we can be a part of God's movement of exposing the light and expelling, uh, exposing the darkness and expelling it. First of all, there's a vision. The scripture tells us in the Old Testament where there is no vision, the people perish. You get a, a concept, an understanding of, of what God's uh, plan is for our lives and for our world and to do everything we can to be a part of it. Helen Keller once said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. Vision is a spiritual experience. Finding God's will and doing God's will. Second key word of understanding is perception. This is mental sight. This is understanding. I heard a thing on radio, part of a commercial, reminded me as a sort of a, a technique some speakers would use, uh, call it a gimmick if you want to, but they will be addressing some group and they will say, uh, uh, do you get it? And the, the people respond, got it. He says, good. Let's try that just see that good. You get it? Good. It, this kind of perception, seeing the light, is that we get it. We understand something. Our, our Knowledge is expanded. Our ability to grasp the reality of the, the power and love of God. You know, Satan wants to mess with our minds. He wants us to embrace the lies. Jesus said on one occasion, said, you know, Satan is your father. He's a father of lies. And so he tries to twist our thinking. He tries to uh, make us doubt the truth that is the gospel. And then there's the optimist. This is a person who, uh, in dealing with the future, has a, has a positive view, positive vision of the future. <clears throat> People who walk in the light are optimists because they 
believe the promises of God and trust Him that they are walking in the right way. And then it requires focus. Focusing is to uh, concentrate our sight. The uh, dictionary says it's the adjustment of the eye or lens necessary to produce a clear image. God always wants us to have a clear image. Sometimes we refer to people in various endeavors, thinking of athletics for the moment, of a person who lost his focus. Sometimes a pass receiver can be out beyond the secondary defense, and the ball is really in his hand, but he becomes distracted. He loses his focus, and he doesn't catch the ball, and the team loses that yardage they would have uh, again. Sometimes we hear in a professional golf tournament that somehow or another someone's sailing along very, very well and then all of a sudden they uh, sometimes they crash and burn. Like Tiger Woods did a couple of days ago in the FedEx Tour Championship in East Lake in Atlanta. In a very short period of time, he played like I do. <laughs> Triple bogey, one hole. I can do that masterfully. <laughs> keeping, keeping our focus. What, it, where, what gets our attention? That which is in the light. Centuries ago, there was a nobleman that was going old and he wondered what legacy he might leave to the to the people of his community. He thought about it for some time, and one of the things that he became aware of is that that community had no church. People had to go some distance to worship at a church. So he decided he would build a church as his legacy and a gift to the people that he loved so much. And when it was finished, it was a great day of, of opening and going into the church and, and looking at it asking in its beauty and its reverence. But if they hadn't been in there very long, and the people began to ask the question, excuse us, sire, uh, how, how, how is the church to be lighted? Because there, there are no lamps. Remember, this is centuries ago. They didn't have electricity. They didn't flip a switch. And he said, ah, you've, you've discovered my secret. So if you will see about the walls, there are brackets. And what I'm going to do is give each of you a lamp. And when you come to worship, you'll bring your lamp with you and place it in the bracket near where you're sitting. And when you are here, where you sit, your area will be lighted. There will be light because you brought your lamp and placed it in but if on the other hand, you're not here, you're not present, your place will be dark. Did you bring a light with you today? Your spot is lighted because you're here. But there's some that are not. <coughs> See, a lot of wood right over there, and that a lot of wood right over there. Little, little poem we've used 
this church be if every church member were just like me? Think about it. What light are we letting flow from our lives through Jesus Christ? On your message notes, I want to add two <coughs> words. Feel free to write it down. First is receive. How, how do we appropriate now this concept of how bad darkness is and how wonderful light is? And that's God's gift to us. There are two words, both starting with the letter R. The first one is receive. We receive that light. We absorb that light. We take it in. We expose ourselves to the light, not to the darkness, but to the light. We do that exposing that receiving through what John Wesley would call the means of grace. We're talking about reading scripture. We receive God's light, which is which is right understanding. Darkness is, is bad misunderstanding that the devil tries to trick us with. But the light of understanding comes through the word, through a time of prayer, through a time of worship as we're doing here today. We bask in the, the love of God that, that warms our hearts, that causes us to feel close to him because we're receiving the light that he gives to us. The second word, is reflect. After having received the light, we like to move, reflect that light outward to others. Here we are sharing with others. We're serving, we're witnessing, we're teaching others, but all to the glory of God. Remember today, as you leave here, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And use that light to do good deeds so that others may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Our purpose is to glorify God. We repeat the catechism of old many times during a, a month. We say, what is the purpose of man, humanity? To glorify God and enjoy Him. So you're sent forth into a dark world. So many people out there living in darkness, confusion, futility, depravity. And God wants to use you as a reflected light into their lives. So many ways to do that. So many ways within these walls. Sunday school classes to be taught, service to be rendered, areas of outreach in this, of this congregation into this community of trying to let a little light shine where the darkness is trying to prevail. Will you not this day? Receive the light and then go forth to reflect. Thank you for loving us enough, O oh God, to save us from the evil of darkness. Let us see your light. Let us absorb it. Let us bask in that light. Let us
let's discover what it means through your word and the fellowship of, of prayer we come to become more like you and reflect your light more clearly and effectively. We ask, O oh God, that you bless this congregation so that there will always be a bright light at the corner of Forsyth and Bass. We pray in the name of Jesus. Stanzas. 